This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I mean, he came charging off his line to take charge of a situation and attempting to smash a volley up the pitch and somehow he contrived to backheat it into the air. It was fucking mad. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Coleman, a little dink into the middle. Yeah! Oh, what about that? What about that? As soon as I'm obviously on the pitch, I'm just, um, you know, at my happiest. Yeah, I never win something for Portugal national team, but I win tonight. <laughs> He can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take it because we've out-tacticed him, we've outwitted him. You're playing international football. You're playing international football. Control the bloody ball. Pass it and move to your mates. And if you lose it, run back. And run back like you care. On Friday afternoon, thousands and thousands of poor fucking Roma fans lined the streets to welcome Josie Mourinho into the city. It was like Jesus riding into Bethlehem on the donkey. <laughs> Rapturous applause, the return of the Messiah, except it wasn't Jesus, was it? It was like Brian from Life of Brian coming in and everyone thinking it was the Messiah, but it's not really. They've gotten the wrong man. He's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy. It's Josie, Josie Mourinho. On Saturday, the day after Josie Mourinho turns up in the Italian capital, Luke Shaw is in town, and he is ripping Ukraine a new one. Uh, England are into the semi-finals of the Euro 2020 Championship, and Luke Shaw is emerging as one of the players of the tournament. <laughs> you know, In the backyard of Josie Mourinho, the man who couldn't wait to get rid of him. The man who said, was it Marcus Rashford or Anthony Martial? He's going to have to cover a lot for Luke Shaw because fucking Luke Shaw's not going to cover. And then tonight, before his very eyes, I assume Josie was watching, it's actually, you know, they felt that they could just let Raheem Sterling go over to the other wing to help out on the on the right-hand side and leave Luke Shaw at it because he might actually just be a competent left-back. 
Luke Shaw is very good, and he proved it once again, this time under Josie's nose. <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise, Luke Shaw is good at football. I mean, obviously, the way Mourinho treated Shaw was disgusting and pathetic. Like I've, I've said this before, Mourinho went out of his way to bully him, to call him weak, to call him shite. I mean, Luke Shaw is neither of those things. He was the most expensive teenager of all time at one stage. I know, given how profligate United have been in the transfer market, that's not saying much. <laughs> but you'll, you'll take the point. We could all see he was good at Southampton and early on at United. He also came back from a double leg break, which takes quite a level of mental fortitude. Yeah. So you know he's neither shite nor weak. But even if he was, saying that publicly is, first of all, not working. It's not making him any better, which is your fucking job, Jose. And secondly... Makes you such a cunt, it's hard to fathom. <laughs> Mourinho spent the last six months of his time at Man United just more and more narrowly defining what he thought his role was, what he thought he was getting paid 12 million quid a year for. And by the end of it, I think he thought his fucking role was to give the pre- and post-match press conferences. He's a fucking clown. <laughs> and... It was so frustrating during this whole tournament to listen to the narrative around Romelu Lukaku, the shock and confusion for the analysts and pundits about how much his game has come on in the last two years. As if a player improving after he leaves behind the coaching skills of Jose Mourinho and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in any way confusion. (laughs) Well, there's a perfect example because Lukaku was asked recently about his improvement uh, in Syria, and he was basically just making the point that he he was asked to play with his back to goal United for the first time, and he he wasn't really sure how to do it. And then Antonio Conte coached him on how to do it, and he's, he's been able to do it. The, the manager coached him. Mourinho calls him a prick. So, like which which one was more effective? I think the coaching job was more effective. And yet again, if we needed any more evidence, we see it again tonight. You know, actually. Coaching Luke Shaw and harnessing all his talent and all the fortitude that you mentioned can work out for your team. And that's three assists now in two games for a left-back who is ripping teams apart. And I can't remember him having to do anything defensively. And I mean that as a compliment. He's just looking so calm. Positioning is great. He's never rushed, panicked. He's never making a last-ditch tackle. He's just on top of every facet of the game. No, no, Luke, Luke Shaw is brilliant. He's got he's got an incredible whip on his left foot when he uses it. He can play lovely inside passes. He's got a really good balance of when to go. And he's explosive when he does go as well. And he goes with some amount of bravery and courage as well, right at the heart of defences. Luke Shaw's brilliant, yeah. And Jose Mourinho's an idiot. <laughs> but England are into the semi-finals. I think the... The quicker we accept that the pre-tournament favourites are indeed looking like the tournament favourites with four teams remaining, then you know we'll all be able to just swallow it a lot easier. Um, they they looked impressive tonight. Probably what you expect against a let's be honest a, a weak Ukraine team, but they they did the job and then some. And we can go through the goals, I suppose. Like Harry Kane's first, exactly what Timo Werner didn't do when he decided to blast the ball off Pickford's crutch. When Germany played England, like you know, Werner could have gone anywhere. He could have gone under. He could have gone under Pickford. He definitely should have gone over him in any way, lift the ball in any type of way, and it would have been a goal. 
but he just blasted it at his penis instead. Whereas Harry Kane knows if I scoop this up, it's going in. Actually hit off the keeper, but he scooped it up and it was going in. And that's what a decent finisher does. Yeah, look, it's absolutely brilliant from Sterling. I think it's it's fine from Kane. His movement and run are made for him by Sterling's pass. And bad defending. But, but also, yeah, the square, flat-footed, pathetic defending of the Ukrainian centre-halves. I mean, where the fuck is Kristoff going? I don't know. Jumping out of the line like that. Harry Kane's behind you. But the, the goalkeeper, like the, the finish, like he did the right thing. He got it up. But what's the goalkeeper doing? He turns his whole upper body away from the ball. You know that old goalkeeping adage, make yourself as small as possible? <laughs> Fuck me. The ball is hit straight at his chest and he turns his body at the hips. It's madness. I will never understand why one man in a defensive line always takes it upon himself to try and play an offside trap. Like Everybody needs to do it if you're going to do it. And it happens a lot with fullbacks, which is always strange because they can see the whole line. But it's probably worse when a centre half does it. Who is closest to the deadly striker? And he thinks, oh, if I step up here, hopefully four other players will, will know what I'm doing. And they'll step up alongside me at the exact same time as the ball is about to be played. It's, it's, it's strange to see at that level. Yeah, but, and there's there's he's right in the heart of the defense as well. There's two players either side of him. Like, come on, mate! You know all five E's aren't jumping here. Where the fuck are you going? The second goal turns out all England needed from a set piece was a look show across and big old slab head. His tournament has begun. Got his head on it again. He didn't have to jump or anything. It was a good cross. Came around the back. Not great defending again, but slab head got on it and put it away. That's pathetic defending again. It's it's a good free kick. There's a nice shape on it. But Jesus, it couldn't have been any easier. I mean, how can Harry Maguire end up with that much space? He's the lad they're looking for. He's the lad with the two-ton head in the middle of the box. I mean, but to be fair to him, when, when Harry Maguire heads a ball, it stays headed. <laughs> Some amount of power in it, and the keeper had no chance. <laughs> I was looking at the replay, watching him run in, and... He'd probably end up giving away a penalty, especially with VAR. But it is that attitude, like it's it's Maguire. You know where it's going. Like just somebody grab him, stop him running. Don't don't let him just jog in and and bang his head off it like with a wallop. Yeah, um, and like the, and he doesn't have to jump either. Like you know, he's just walking onto the ball. And like I said, it's a delicious free kick. But if it's zonal or man marking for him to have that much freedom is is criminal. I mean, you're man marking. What the fuck has happened? And if it's zonal. Your zones are shit, lads. <laughs> Back to the drawing board with that one. Can't leave the middle of your box free. The third one, I, I would call this, I wouldn't call this a cross from Luke Shaw. I would just call it a lovely pass. He just, he's just caressed it from 20 meters tops away. Just just placed it onto the head of Hurricane, who Jermaine Genus said was a textbook header. It was, you know, I would try to avoid the keeper's penis again when you're shooting and he got he got it down so that was good but like you're very close to being saved and he had all the goals to to put that away and all the time with a lovely pass and he headed it straight at the keeper but he got it down so he deserves credit ah he's close enough if you get that down it's going in yeah you hit it straight at the keeper's legs there's, there's nothing he can do about it it's a it's an incredibly lucky save if he saves it but at this stage of the game, I was just thinking, Jesus, Conan, we get a free header against these lads for fuck's sake. <laughs> the hell is going on? It's five minutes into the second half and you've just ended the game and ruined my evening. <laughs> Isn't it so sad for England, right? We've been crying for them to 
to take the shackles off, unleash it, unleash the attacking potential they have. You know, start opening up teams, and now they've scored four, and we're just running through the goals. This one, this one, this. <laughs> <laughs> next, next, next. The fourth one, Jordan Henderson. There's four to shoot for you. He scores, gets it disallowed. Like the commentary. Was it ITV's commentary that time? It was like, Jordan Henderson's first international goal is ruled out by offside. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was actually great real-time commentary. He didn't know it was offside as he was talking, but so harsh on Henderson. But uh, got the goal again in our set piece, which does over well for England going into the last two games. Henderson should have started. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I, I'd be surprised now if Henderson doesn't start making his making a serious, serious pitch now to start the last two games because England will beat Denmark as well. But the back again, the same again. It's far too easy. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually, so I actually didn't have any idea why Henderson was screaming so much. I know he scored for his country, but I didn't realize it was his first goal, which just sounds a little bit mad. He he just looks more energetic, doesn't he? I know that's a simple thing, right? But even when he came on against uh, Czech Republic, it just it just takes up more space more quickly, which is exactly what you want in a player like that. Like I always say, you know, when you're playing against Henderson, it's so frustrating because he just eats up yards. He closes down space. He's always there where you don't want him to be, where you think your team's getting a breakaway. And that, that's what, what a midfielder like that should be doing. And yeah, I'd be very... like. I know he's coming back from injuries, coming back from a long time. England haven't conceded a goal in five games, but he just like it just looks better in that midfield, and they look more lively. And obviously, he's more vocal and he's more of a leader there as well. Yeah, Jordan Henderson is better than Calvin Phillips. <laughs> there's no, there's no mystery here. Like England, are a better team when he's there. England play better football when he's there as well. Because Calvin Phillips is a little bit more limited, I think, in his. In his freedom on the ball, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he fully trusts himself yet because yeah. there's nothing wrong with Calvin Phillips. Like he will, he can and does play passes, but he he's far too often playing it playing it the way he's facing. You know that old one that you hear people shout. Now sometimes you have to just see what's behind you as well. You can't just be pinging it straight back to the center half if you're the center midfielder. Get turned on the ball. Get the ball moving forward. You're playing Ukraine. You have to beat them. You have to smother them in the first couple of minutes. Don't be don't be doing this. Like, don't be rattling it straight back to Harry Maguire when you've got ten yards of space behind you. And Jordan Henderson rarely does that. That's an interesting one because yeah, I think Phillips's body language has changed over the last few games. Maybe it's because he's got a, a shirt now to hang on to. Maybe it's because the stakes are getting higher. But you're right; like he's not turning on the ball, and even if he's not even facing centre half, whatever way he's facing, yeah, he's staying facing that way. He's not taking a touch. He's not going forward anymore. He's not breaking the lines. He played with so much freedom and creativity, maybe not, but like energy and attacking sense anyway in that first game against Croatia. And he, he, he hasn't brought that ever since. And I, I wonder, did he not expect to start against Croatia like the rest of us? And then he had some sort of some sort of freedom or license then to just go and, and express himself because it was almost like a, a last chance. Like, you know, this is your only chance of getting into the Euros team. Like, go go show us what you can do. And when, when you are sort of plucked last minute like that in your own head, you do have this sort of a, abandon in a good way that you, you're you not worried about what you, what you might lose because you never had it. So then you really go out there to prove a point. 
But then once you've proved that point, then you get more and more frightened and you get more and more safe. And I really think that's what he's done. And like, yeah, I think it's something that needs to be looked at. But it's, it's Declan Rice who's coming off before him in all these games. But you see, maybe Southgate has earmarked that Phillips maybe will come out of the team eventually and he's just saving Rice's legs. Oh, exactly. Like he, was, he wasn't bringing on... Henderson's the only player he's bringing on that will play any part in the rest of the tournament. And Declan Rice was brought off for exactly that reason because he definitely will play. And at the start of the game, I, I was... I was all ready to get on board with England. I mean, the first 10 minutes of that game, I was I was humming, we still believe, under my breath. <laughs> I mean, the way they were playing, what I thought was exhilarating in the first 10 minutes, the movement, the interchange, built on the foundation of switching into a, a 3-3-3-1 or even a 3-1-5-1 with Rice dropping back into the back three. And the... The fluidity between that middle six end and the support they were giving each other, it was brilliant. And when they ended up in a string of six across the front line, they weren't just standing there like the Scotland game. Yeah. They were they were popping back out. They were resetting. They were going again. The passing was aggressive, innovative. It was all really, really good to watch. But from then on, and they were dreadful. It became really ragged. And Calvin Phillips was really symbolic of that. For me, he, he was... He was all over the place. His passing just wasn't... He wasn't getting turned on the ball. He wasn't trying the things that England were doing in the first 10 minutes. And maybe that was just because they realised, okay, we've got this one if we just calm it down. But yeah. they calmed it down far, far too much. And it was... It was really, it was a really risky strategy. I mean, they got they got quite lucky with those two free headers in the box in the first five minutes of the yeah. second half to take the pressure off them. But the first half, it was still there. It was still a game for a long time. And England really enabled that, as did Calvin Phillips. They need to be a bit more ruthless. Maybe it comes with not winning anything, but yeah, like they they scored the goal at almost too early. It's like watching Villa games, except England are the best team, you know. So, so it's a bit different, like you know when Villa score against better teams and you're shitting yourself for the rest of it. But England just step right back, and then what that allowed to happen was little mistakes that were letting Ukraine get more sights at goal, like not big gaping opportunities, but they just stopped. Yeah, going at them when Ukraine were there to be killed off, they they should have they should have treated that game exactly the same. At one 0 it's a bonus. We still need yeah. to get another goal, and then do whatever you want to do: hold possession, wait for them to to open up. But Ukraine just took control of the first half, and maybe deserve credit for getting those goals in after half time. But like, yeah, like you'd like to think that they wouldn't be doing that going forward; that they won't just stop playing when they get the lead because that's going to be dangerous against better teams. Of course it will be, yeah. And but especially in a game like that as well. I mean, Ukraine were terrified those first ten minutes, yeah. and I and I was glued to it. I thought England were really, really interesting to watch. There was there were some innovative things they were doing, but they were playing against Ukraine. They had to batter them into the ground. I mean, Ukraine were they were playing five at the back, and it was it was five at the back. There was no one, there was no one popping out. The wing backs weren't going anywhere for those first ten minutes. And this is what England were dealing with. It was a team of Man City's second choice left back playing centre midfield. As their best player. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> their ta- and their talisman up top was a lad who started one game for West Ham. Yeah. I mean, he can't get a kick at a ball because of Ben Rama, Bowen, Lanzini, and Fornals. <laughs> All these shining lights of world football. And Ukraine are one of the worst teams to ever make it to the quarterfinals of a major tournament. They, they, they qualified for the last. 16 because they were in a group of North Macedonia. I mean, <laughs> Ukraine qualified for the last 16 of the Euros because five years ago, UEFA came up with the bonkers idea of allowing one of the worst 16 teams in Europe 
to qualify for the Euros through the Nations League <laughs> and Ukraine got them in the draw and obviously beat them. And the Ukraine were a shambles and England should have just destroyed them in the first couple of minutes instead of letting the game become a game in that first half. But anyway, they won 4 all, so well done. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations and all that. Um, just on that, uh, and on, say, Ukraine's strength and and England's performance in general and, and winning 4 all. like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to mellow a little bit, like because it is hard. It's hard. It's hard to keep arguing and keep criticizing Southgate for his team selection when they keep winning, right? So I'm wondering, does it really matter what players they do pick as long as the players are better than the opposition? You know, like I know it's not right. Like Grealish is the main example, and we've talked enough about Grealish. Don't worry, we're not going to spend another twenty minutes doing that. But you know, he obviously should be playing, right? If we, if you were treating the world properly <laughs> you were respecting football properly you would be playing Grealish and you would you know we would definitely change the team a little bit more um we wouldn't be bringing Trippier on left back definitely not ahead of Grealish coming into the game you know um but does it matter when the end product is still better than all the opposition that they face so far like you know we're still picking a team that should be going out and beating these teams and obviously setting them up in a way that they're not conceding goals and they're you know largely comfortable and now, actually, as it turns out, and it, that is important because it's all relative. As it turns out, the the competition isn't strong. Like you, know, everybody, everybody else has been knocked out, and England keep progressing. You know, and they'll just have to beat Denmark and probably Italy. You know, like and if they keep picking teams, like I, I think whatever team they pick will be better than both of those teams, like based on the options that they have. So in a way, it's like, yeah, it, can you criticize Southgate too much because? He's got a wealth, a vast array of people he can pick, and every one of them are, are very good. Yeah, it was the first game that £75 million man United right winger Jaden Sancho started. I mean, yeah. England are absolutely stacked. It's it's embarrassing how many good players they have. and it, It's it's out of this world, and it doesn't really matter. It, it, it certainly doesn't matter to England fans, I suspect, because England are almost certainly going to get to the final of the Euros and then we'll see what they can do against, hopefully, Italy. Yeah. Uh, but for someone who's kind of neutral like me, it's uh, it does matter because England are absolutely atrocious to watch. They're, they're dreadfully, yeah. a dreadfully functional team. And, you know, they've, they've been so aggressively coached to get back into shape and to stifle games. And look, it's working for them, but it's not, it's not enjoyable for me to watch. But th- think about it. Like he's still making some odd decisions. They think about Harry Kane. I mean, the story around this lad now is going to be that he that he's back, and of, of course, of course, it is. He scored three goals in two games, and he's Harry Kane. Go on, but yeah, but I still think he's playing badly, and the way he's being used is still dreadful. I mean, he's the wandering out the pitch has got to stop. Yeah, I mean, the idea that England need to play players that will run off Kane. Well, they can't run off him if he's not fucking there, or. They need players that will run into the space he vacates. That only makes sense if he's creating space. I mean, Ukraine had three centre-halves tonight. None of them were following Harry Kane out to left-back. Yeah. I mean, he's he's off on one of his danders. Let him go. We'll worry about him when he gets back in the box. <laughs> or not, as the case may be. But, you know, like playing Sancho on that right wing, you would assume... The, the narrative that everyone's been saying is to, is to exploit the space and to use his pace in behind. 
but that's not happening. Nobody's fooling. Nobody's being fooled by Harry Kane's drifting yeah. out the pitch. No one gives a fuck. Let him go out there and ping one across the pitch to Kyle Walker. Who cares? I actually had a Harry Kane trait that I've noticed, save for questions we can't answer. But let's do it now because, yeah, like you mentioned Sancho, Sterling, and we've talked about Luke Shaw. We see Kyle Walker looking bomb forward. Why did Harry Kane insist on pulling back for a pullback when he's the only fucking striker? Like, why is he hanging back on the edge of the box when boys are getting to the byline? Like, that's that's what your midfielders should be doing. Like, that's where Mason Mount should be coming and that's where the other attacking midfielders should be coming in or Rice or Phillips. Or, like, Harry Kane needs to be leading the line and he stopped doing that. And I don't know why. Yeah, it's strange and it's particularly strange as well whenever, whenever he's playing for England. England are, you know, typically dominating the game and the teams they've played so far haven't been that good so they've been quite fearful so they're flooded in defence like the, all their midfielders are getting back so there's no space there's no point in hanging back out there the ball can't get there the guy wants to drill this in low and hard to the front post and you have to make that aggressive run to the front post yeah. like you said you're the centre forward you're playing two nippy lads in behind you Mount and Sterling can get there Rice can come charging and even for God's sake Harry Kane has to go to the front post, absolutely. He's, he's the focal point of the attack. He has to be the focal point of the attack. <laughs> Let's take a pause and we'll chat some more about football coming home. <laughs> we have to have a serious conversation about muting some words on Twitter over the next few days. Um, I, I've got a lot of friends here, English, and they're all pretty much sound. All right, but... Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, <laughs> Playing that card, are you? Some of my best friends are English. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Look, no, I do have them on the sweepstakes, so it's it's win-win for me, really. But um, I'm not going. I'm not going to mute footballs coming home like like everybody would say to mute because it's a fucking class song, and if it was Irish, we would love it. Um, but one word I am going to mute, and it's because of the English journalists mostly who are worse. They're way worse than any of the fans. Like most of the fans are just enjoying themselves, and I love them are aware of some of the flaws or are equally as frustrated at some of the decisions that Gareth Southgate's making as he guides England to the Euros. <laughs> but uh, the first word I'm muting is vindicated. Um, like, Jesus, like these lads can't help themselves. Like I saw Ollie Holt, our old friend Ollie Holt, yet again. Like this was the strangest one of all time, he said. I, I don't even know what it means, to be honest. I don't know who, he was, who he's been arguing with over the last couple of days, but... He said, uh, Jordan Henderson coming on for Declan Rice. Gareth Southgate vindicated again. I, I, like, I honestly, like, is he talking about vindication for Declan Rice starting? You know, like, if anybody's saying that he shouldn't start, then, like, you know, don't worry too much about them. And, <laughs> and, and, like, it's just a, like, Declan Rice wasn't amazing tonight anyway. Like, you know, it wasn't like a, a Jack Creelish performance or anything like that. It's just like, you know, and you just notice that now over and over, like, you know, any little thing that goes right for England, it's it's, it's a culture war, like everything is now. And uh, that's it, Lord. It's just like, it's it's a Gareth Southgate team and then me and you on the other side. And it's people, <laughs> <laughs> because England are winning, they're winning and everything that goes right is vindication. So all the, all forms of vindicated, the word are getting muted on my timeline. Look, I don't want to sound like a bitter old Paddy here, but <laughs> there was nothing 
nothing England did tonight vindicates anything that happened. I mean, they yeah. won 4-0, fair enough. They only had six shots. They were dreadful in the first half. Apart from the first 10 minutes when they were brilliant, the rest of the first half, they were dreadful. And then they scored two unmarked headers. And the game is over. Anything that happens after that is not football anymore. <laughs> we're, we're not in the last 16 of the European Championship anymore. That wasn't the game. We just all wait. And we all have to admit this. We all have to be honest with ourselves here. We all just wasted 40 minutes of our lives watching the rest of that game after the second header was done. <laughs> it was a waste of fucking time. There was no vindication of anybody there. England played brilliant for 10 minutes. England played shit for 35 minutes. England scored two headers. Yeah. That was it tonight. Yeah, they got the job done. Like That's what they needed to do. Move but on. like the job is so easy. They went 3-0 up against a team who just played 120 minutes three days ago. Yeah. Like, big fucking deal. Last word. I'm muting on Twitter. Again, aimed at the English journalists who are going to have a field day over the next couple of days. 1807. <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> 1807, the Battle of Copenhagen. England and Sweden against Denmark and France. <laughs> Do you know why I'm muting this, right? Because in the build-up to the Germany game, I was seeing just so much shit about World War II. <laughs> and uh, the commentary as well said, like this is during the national anthems, this isn't just about football. <laughs> this isn't two football teams. This is two nations. And I thought like... You know when you know somebody there from a different country? I thought, thought of two friends from Germany. Like, not having any opinion whatsoever on England. Like, you know, and they they don't, thankfully for them, they don't have any connection or like they don't think every day about 1939 to 1944, 1945. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a strange one that, that the English media try to hype this up into war scenarios as if, as if everyday Germans are still walking around thinking like holding that anger against England for winning the war and this is this is more this is more about that than it is about football and uh, I was trying to figure out did, did Denmark and, and England ever clash <laughs> outside of the football pitch and they did in 1807 it turns out oh so now you've just told everyone that because I can tell you something nobody in fucking football Twitter is aware of that battle Connor you don't need to mute 1807. <laughs> if anybody's... Actually, I, sh- I should actually just ping that, make it a, a word that get a notification for, a push notification. If anybody <laughs> does spot 1807 in any of the coverage, please give us a shout. Anyway, back to some proper fucking talk. Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you, meter. Uh, well, I don't know if this is going up or down. Jaden Sancho, like it turns out, all he had to do to get a start in England team was join one of the quote-unquote top six England clubs a couple of days ago. He joins Man United. Bang! He's straight in for his first game of the tournament. Um, but he, he did well, I think. And like Probably I'm almost inclined to put it down because he hasn't used him up until now. He should have been using him. Yeah, no top four bias my whole. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just about to make a joke about Sancho not even having played for Man United yet. But then I realised Southgate has already actually done that with Callum Hudson-Odoi. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's not go down that dead end. Uh, like, yeah, the fact that he hasn't used him 
would be strange given how good at football Jaden Sancho is were it not for the fact that the other players he's been able to pick yeah. have been Foden, Saka, Sterling, Grealish and Mount. That's fair enough. He's a good player that he's got as an option and he used him as an option. I suppose that's that's all there is to that one, really. <laughs> uh, going down, uh, Gareth Southgate doesn't really deserve much uh, abuse for this, but this is your hero, Kyle Walker. <laughs> he was looking like a bit of a liability at times tonight, just touch, letting him through. And then the one they try to let go, assuming Pickford would come out, like never assume that Pickford's going to come out. But then, but then never assume when you're also about twelve meters away from the goalkeeper. It was a he let them in twice by two bad decisions. Yeah, and to be fair, Kyle Walker isn't my hero by any stretch of the imagination. He's he's my nightmare, and that just reflects my uh, pace and upper body strength <laughs> rather than uh, my my views on Kyle Walker as a as a solid defender. I mean, he is prone to to absolutely huge lapses in concentration which can fuck over his team normally he's able to get himself out of those but yeah they were two absolute horror potential horror moments for him tonight and just exacerbated because it didn't look like ukraine were going to get through unless england opened the door for them and he at times looked to be trying to open the door for them going up i said it before the job is easy but they, they got the job done so they're through well done Four <laughs> 0 beat Ukraine. Move on. Yeah, and look. To be fair, like they did. Like I'm, I'm, I'm only half in jest whenever I say the game was fucking done. But they got two really lucky goals. Played shit before that, and then they saw the game out. But there was there was very little to see out. But they did see it out. They did. Um, but going down where we're most comfortable talking. Trippier over not even Grealish this time, but Trippier over Chilwell at this point just feels a little pointed. Like. You know why is Chilwell there? Like, do they really need? Do they really need a, th- a third choice left back? You know, if if Trippier is obviously ahead of him in left back stakes, like maybe he wanted to rest Luke Shaw because it's become apparent that he's very good, and you could actually point again to Trippier playing against Croatia. Luke Shaw's form is really just making that more stark all the time. That decision they put Trippier left back ahead of him, but anyway, like you know. When he's emptying the bench and he's giving Dominic Calvert-Lewin a run out, it's 4-0 against Ukraine. He's got loads of time left. The game's over. Ukraine are done. You've got all nothing but good players to choose from anyway. It doesn't matter who you pick. And yeah, just just Chilwell just being left out over a right back coming on again is, is a bizarre one. It is strange. It is strange. But Ben Chilwell is one of those players that I think is quite good, but I don't think he's I don't think he's as good as people make out. I mean he's he's a, he's a very very competent left back, but you know, if someone's bringing on Kieran Trippier ahead of him, I couldn't really give a toss. I mean, other than the fact that <laughs> Kieran Trippier is, is a right sided defender, that like Ben Chilwell's not all that. I mean, he's not he's not at the level of the rest of the fullbacks that are in the squad. He's got a nice left foot. Who gives a toss? <laughs> are you saying are you saying what I think you're saying? Are you saying my target should be there? <laughs> Well, he brought enough fucking left-backs. <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. How can England win a major tournament when they have players who are willing to let Jordan Pickford shout at them? 
like, yeah. you know, the first instance of this was the the pass from Kyle Walker, which let Ukraine through initially, and then it's the tamest shot of all time. Comes from the left hand side near post, and it rolls like it literally trickles towards Pickford, who's tiny, go on his knees, and then he scoops it out with both hands instead of just picking it up. He, he literally could have stayed on his feet and picked it up. It was the tamest shot I've ever seen, and he just scooped it out for a corner. And yeah, up and roars ahead of him. It's like not only should none of them be letting Jordan Pickford do that anyway because he does not have enough credit in the bank, but the fact that he's just, he's just after making a mistake himself, he's compounded the mistake by giving them a corner. And, and he still has the affront to stand up and ball boys out of it. Yeah, it was, it was really, really annoying to watch that. <laughs> I mean, that shot is a little trickling pee. He shovels it behind for a corner like a kid on the beach desperately trying to clear the sand to force the incoming tide into the sandcastle moat that he's just <laughs> built. I've never seen anything like it. It was horrendous technique. It was bizarre stuff and an absolutely needless concession of a corner. But what I have seen before, though, is that fucking Superman punch for a shot coming in from 30 yards straight down his throat. Unbelievable. I mean, he was at that nonsense against El Ghazi towards the end of the season. What sort of a habit is this? Who is his coach? Everyone knows he's supposed to catch that and shout out cherries. To let everyone know how easy it was. <laughs> He's an absolute clown. What was that nonsense? What is he doing? The ball is hit straight at him. And he lifts his legs off the ground to yeah. punch it. What the fuck? Why does he not even... If he's afraid to catch it, if he thinks it's safer, like, I don't want to try and catch this and spill it into the net, or it might curl, or it might be vicious, blah, blah, blah. Why does he not just palm it in front of himself, let it bounce and pick it up? Like, he's... he's, he's just, just keeps deciding to punch it back into danger. And, and like, as you say, lifts his legs up. It's it's the worst habit I've, I've seen a goalkeeper have. But now, like, honestly, the, the last, I don't, I don't know what the time frame was, but there was a 10-minute period there where, where Jordan Pickford started to reveal himself. Yeah. Like, you know, the Jordan Pickford. And it was the the rushing out from the, the box that, that started it all off. Tried to fucking leathered up the pitch like he's been doing every time the ball's come through to him and there's been any hint of pressure he like I don't know where his habits come from as well but obviously he's trying to be decisive and he's hitting the ball as hard as he can and this time he's come running out it's bouncing <laughs> and all he would have had to do is just move his body in towards it and it would have it would have gone 50 meters away into safety but he's tried to fucking hit it as hard as he could yet again and and he's missed it like he sliced it and he's he's and then he spent the next two minutes apologizing for it, trying to own up for it, which then you know, oh shit, this is on his mind. And then the Superman punch comes, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then another dodgy kick pass straight like 20 meters out this time at the edge of the box. He's trying to kick it from, from his own line. And he's shaking now. And I'm telling you, like we, we go through this every time England play, the Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you, meter. I a big decision for Gareth Southgate now, and I think probably a brave one, and one that I will criticise him for if it comes back to bite him after Denmark or Italy. A big fucking decision now would be just taking Pickford out of the firing line because, <laughs> because now it looks like this guy could cost you the tournament that you're destined to win. Yeah, I mean, I was just watching the rest of that game, hoping that that, that attempted volley wasn't 
wasn't his customary cock up and that they didn't just get away with it. I was the only reason I continued to watch the last 15 minutes of that game was just hoping that he would he would have a howler. I mean, he came charging off his line to take charge of a situation and attempting to smash a volley up the pitch and somehow he contrived to back heat it into the air. <laughs> it was fucking mad. I've never seen anyone put as much effort into kicking the ball kind of far as well. <laughs> like he, he winds his whole body up for yeah. it. He jumps into the air afterwards and the ball just goes your standard 60 yards. <laughs> Such a strange man. There's one in the first half where the ball came back to him. And this is when I knew, because it was because Jamie Carragher had that article talking about how good he was. I was thinking, I guarantee you tonight, Pickford is going to do something absolutely hilarious. It's yeah. coming now that Jamie Carragher has gone out in a limb and for some reason defended him. I just, I, and I think Pickford must have fucking read it. Because in the first couple of minutes, the ball came back to him. And he, there was nobody near him. Ukraine were camped in the edge of their own box. And he came charging out to the edge of his own box and just lellered it up the field. Yeah. And two seconds later, England have a little, a little ball's bouncing around a little bit, and eventually it just goes out for a throw into England. And Jordan Pickford has the fucking goal to go wandering out to his backline, telling them to calm down. You are the <laughs> least calm man in Rome right now. I saw that. Who does he think he is? This guy, he's a loose cannon, and I'm I am actually. This has just reminded me that I've got something to look forward to for the rest of this tournament. <laughs> I am going to be glued to England games for the next for the rest of this tournament for the next two games. I can't wait. This is it. The stakes are higher, and it's going to be tighter games. And Pickford now has had like his last fifteen minutes of involvement. Really, when he had to do anything, were very shaky. He's going to be in his head now. He has Jamie Carragher right in articles. Is Gary Neville coming out saying he's been England's player of the tournament so far? Because because Werner hit a ball straight at his penis, like, <laughs> and Havertz Havertz hit a volley from twenty five meters out. Where if it had have gone in, it would have been embarrassing for Pickford. It would have been one of those those cock ups that we see down through the years. David Seaman read them all out like these major tournaments cock ups from a keeper. If that goes in, it's a well stricken half volley from ha- Havertz, but it's straight at Pickford. And she had another shot that's gone straight at him, and he's just he's just gone mental and thrown his whole body after it. It's 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 reminding me now of um, and this is probably unfair on Brad Guzan, but remember twenty ten and he was playing all the League Cup matches because Villa had Friedel, and they got to the final, and Martin O'Neill just made the decision, like you know, Guzan, you've been great, you've done nothing wrong, you deserve to play, but sorry. You're not playing. I can't take the risk. We've got a final to win a, a major trophy for the first time since '96. Brad Friedel's in. Yeah, uh, um, uh, like it, it was a ballsy decision, but he made it. Yeah, and a few managers have done that as well. And I think, I think Mourinho did it as well when he was dicking around with Romero and other clown um, <laughs> at United. He brought in De Gea for I think it was the time they played the Ajax under twenty three side in the Europa League final. <laughs> Uh, so like yeah that's 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 not an uncommon thing but the only thing for Pickford is that the keepers behind him aren't exactly aren't exactly world class you know it's not like he it's not like he's like he's, he's just at their level like what would he be changing it for like Dean Henderson's made a lot of mistakes towards the end of the season there as well no Aaron Ramsdale is Aaron fucking Ramsdale well, like Jesus on. Christ Sam Johnson uh, yeah. yeah, Sam Johnson for his debut in the European 
championship final. It's yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's just a real shame for Gareth Southgate because if Pickford makes a mistake now, we're going to say, oh, you should have taken him out. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, yeah, the options are pretty shit. Uh, last one questions we can't answer, but probably will. Why would you not watch football? <laughs> it's fucking brilliant, like isn't it? It's it's so good, like. I wish there was a major tournament on every summer and I think the way of doing that is they have the qualifiers as a tournament every summer. So every summer there's something. I like, Forget about like breaking up the Premier League and playing fucking qualifiers and then doing them all three months apart and then five months apart. Just have them as a block of eight games in the summer and we can all enjoy it. We can all have Friday night matches, actual Friday night matches that people want to watch and we can have games on during work and it's uh, it's just brilliant. Like you watch a game like Italy and and Belgium there the other night, and and they're just manic. They're crazy. You wonder like where is the control? And it's nothing but passion and skill and cock ups. And it's like this is the very best thing that humans have ever created. Sport and made us all care about it. It's so good, <laughs> and I really pity anybody who doesn't like it. Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? And the people who don't like it as well are so strident in it, and the. The way they, they try to have some sort of intellectual superiority looking down on us as if we're all fools for watching this thing. Like, how daft can you be? Just <laughs> treat yourself to it. It's unbelievable. The excitement. Monday night is one of the best nights of the summer. It's like the, That'll not be beaten this summer, no matter what anybody does. Go to as many festivals as you want as, as we start to be allowed back into pubs, meet up with your friends. It's not going to beat Monday night. Five three and three all. He taking the fucking piss. Penalty shootout. I don't care how sound your friends are. I don't care how fucking funny they are. They won't beat Kylian Mbappe bottling a penalty in the last minute after already seeing whatever it was fourteen goals that day. <laughs> and then on top of all that, we got the shittest penalty of all time. Then with Switzerland and Spain. Like this is this is what you get. You get the highs and the lows, and every one of them, every bit of them, are great. Yeah, and and even like the days like today, where the football was was particularly drab, you know that that was nice as well. It was a little calm down just to ease us gently back into the semi-finals <laughs> because the night before Italy and Belgium was as you would expect, helter skelter. I mean, Italy destroyed them in the first half and really let Belgium back into the game with that incredibly oh, was it a soft penalty you just push him in the back like an idiot but you know that exactly like, i'm getting excited just talking about the game that was on yesterday <laughs> yeah football's class as we all know do you know what the only thing i would say is that sometimes i deprive myself of the real joy when i know there's a possibility of extra time i feel like i can't enjoy the 90 minutes because the whole time i'm just hoping that i get 30 extra minutes <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just there thinking, please, please, please be a draw. And I can, you know, if, I, if there's a hint of a team pulling away or hint that it might not be a draw, it's hard to enjoy because I know I'm not going to get the other 30 minutes. Yeah, and even the, the Ukraine-Sweden game, or um, which was a fairly drab affair as well. But like that, this is exactly what you're living for in football. It's a whipped-in cross that is headed into the net. And the Ukraine get exactly what they want, and they absolutely do not deserve a quarterfinal place in the Euros. <laughs> and it's like it's the greatest moment in their football in, in their football in history. 
and they're running around all these players. And that's exactly what we want. It's the excitement. It's the drama. It's the love of the sport. It's the it's the passion that players have whenever they're playing for the country. And I was just watching it going off for fuck's sake. I just dedicated two hours of my life to this shit. <laughs> I don't even get the penalty shit out. I don't even get to see these men tortured with the pressure of having to score from 12 yards out. <laughs> it's so true because I actually sometimes... Yeah, I'd be crying out for the for the bonus thirty minutes just because it's thirty minutes that I haven't I haven't allowed for in my calendar. So it's like, oh, there's thirty extra minutes of football that I wasn't expecting. But but then every time I'm watching extra time, I'm always thinking, why, why is this fucking half an hour long? Like, <laughs> you know, make it ten minutes a half. Like, you know, make it a bit crazier. But even bring back the I like the golden goal idea because it just adds an element of risk and panic to it. And you know, and we all also just want to get to the fucking penalties. Like that's why we're hanging on because then we want to see boys shitting themselves while we're just sitting eating crisps on the sofa. <laughs> uh, football. <laughs> and with that, we'll see during the week for some European Championship semi-finals, and then we'll be ready to welcome back a new Premier League season, and we'll start it all over again. Ah, uh, life, eh? <laughs> I don't know how we ended up here. See you later. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.